0: Section 16 of Woman and the Republic. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine Lehman, Rosita, California. Woman and the Republic by Helen Johnson. Chapter 9, Part 1. 16 Woman Suffrage and the Church the eighth count in the suffrage indictment reads he allows her in church as well as in state but a subordinate position claiming apostolic authority for her exclusion from the ministry and with some exceptions from any public participation in the affairs of the church more than thirty years later than this mrs stanton miss anthony and mrs gage wrote in the preface to their history of woman suffrage american men may quiet their consciences with the delusion that no such injustice exists in this country as in eastern nations though with the general improvement in our institutions woman's condition must inevitably have improved also yet the same principle that degrades her in turkey insults her here custom forbids a woman there to enter a mosque or call the hour for prayers here it forbids her a voice in church councils or state legislatures the church too took alarm knowing that with the freedom and education acquired in becoming a component part of the government woman would not only outgrow the power of the priesthood and religious superstitions but would also invade the pulpit interpret the bible anew from her own standpoint and claim an equal voice in all ecclesiastical councils with fierce warnings and denunciations from the pulpit and false interpretations of scripture women have been intimidated and misled and their religious feelings have been played upon for their more complete subjugation while the general principles of the bible are in favor of the most enlarged freedom and equality of the race isolated texts have been used to block the wheels of progress in all periods thus bigots have defended capital punishment intemperance slavery polygamy and the subjection of woman the creeds of all nations make obedience to man the cornerstone of her religious character Fortunately, however, more liberal minds are now giving us higher and purer expositions of the scriptures. It is fifteen years since these statements were made, and we have now the first installment of The Bible Interpreted Anew from Her Own Standpoint, which presumably issues, in their view, from more liberal minds, and is higher and purer than the old one in the introduction to that suffrage woman's bible which is as yet only a commentary on the pentateuch mrs stanton says from the inauguration of the movement for woman's emancipation the bible has been used to hold her in her divinely appointed sphere prescribed by the old and new testaments the canon and civil law church and state priests and legislators all political parties and religious denominations have alike taught that woman was made after man of man and for man an inferior being subject to man creeds codes scriptures and statutes are all based on this idea the fashions forms ceremonies and customs of society church ordinances and discipline all grow out of this idea so perverted is the religious element in her nature that with faith and works she is the chief support of the church and clergy the very powers that make her emancipation impossible i know that many believers in suffrage are also believers in the bible and in denominational christianity Mrs. Helen Montgomery says, in the woman's edition of the Rochester Post-Express, that one reason for her favorable consideration of it is that two-thirds of the membership of the Christian church cannot express their conviction at the polls, since women may not vote. Much of the callousness of politicians to church opinion, she adds, comes from the knowledge that that opinion is backed by few votes i also know that many of those who disbelieve in suffrage may also disbelieve in the bible the clergy and the church i further recognize the fact that the church and religion are not synonymous terms i have no attacks to make and no special pleading to do i am discussing the question of suffrage as i find it in the writing and the speech of its proposers and its present conspicuous advocates each american woman has this mighty problem before her and she must settle it according to her own conscience and best enlightenment mrs stanton admits with shame that woman is one of the chief supporters of the church mrs montgomery says with delight that she forms two-thirds of the christian church individual members of suffrage organizations may be in sympathy with christianity or against it but the movement itself cannot be on both sides of this question what is its record i will endeavor to trace it and will then as best i may attempt to say a few words upon the general subject of the subordination of woman in the course of the first clause of their accusation the women say claiming apostolic authority for her exclusion from the ministry in view of the fact that paul frequently alludes to the teaching and ministrations of women it has come to be generally thought among christian scholars i believe that this injunction that they keep silence in the churches referred to the propriety of their conduct in the moral or rather the immoral atmosphere by which the church at corinth was surrounded this seems reasonable because it may be observed that in writing to timothy who was in macedonia to titus who was in crete and to the church at ephesus While he repeats his general injunctions of woman's submission to man, and especially to her husband, he says nothing relative to her public work in the church. But if Paul had been writing to the church in New England, in 1634, and in New York in 1774, his injunction to silence might well have been applied to the first woman preachers to whom Americans were called upon to listen when anne hutchinson in boston preached that the power of the holy spirit dwelleth perfectly in every believer and the inward revelations of her own spirit and the conscious judgment of her own mind are of authority paramount to any word of god she shook the young colony to its foundation as no man had shaken it the militia that had been ordered to the pequot war refused to march because she had proclaimed their chaplain to be under a covenant of works and not under a covenant of grace her influence and not her ballot if she had one threatened anarchy in the state and caused a schism in the church such as might have crushed out the life from the infant body to which paul was writing in 1774 appeared the next public woman preacher, Anne Lee. She proclaimed that God was revealed a dual being, male and female, to the Jews, that Jesus revealed to the world God as a Father, and that she, Anne Lee, Mother Anne, was God's revelation of the Mother, the bearing spirit of the creation of God. She founded the sect of Shakers, whose main articles of belief, besides the one above mentioned, were community of goods, non resistance to force, even in self defense, the sinfulness of all human authority, and consequently the sinfulness of participation in any form of government, absolute separation of the sexes, and consequently no marriage institution her mission as the christ of the second appearing began with her announcement of god's wrath upon all marriage and the public renunciation of her own in new york as in new england her proclamations against government and war tended directly to anarchy and in the momentous year seventeen seventy six she was for that reason imprisoned in poughkeepsie whence she was released by governor clinton's pardon the next pulpitless preacher in the succession we are considering appeared in this country in eighteen twenty eight her name was frances wright she was a person of totally different mind and methods from anne hutchinson and anne lee she was professedly an enemy of religion anne hutchinson attacked church and state in the name of christian human perfection Anne Lee attacked church and state in the name of woman. She preached communism and separation of the sexes in the name of Christ. She taught the abolition of marriage. Frances Wright preached communism and sex license in the name of irreligion. In opening the columns of the Free Inquirer to Discussion in New York in 1828, she said, religion is true and in that case the conviction of its truth should dictate every human word and govern every sublunary action or it is a deception if it is a deception it is not useless only it is mischievous it is mischievous by its idle terrors it is mischievous by its false morality it is mischievous by its hypocrisy by its fanaticism by its dogmatism by its threats by its hopes by its promises and last though not least by its waste of public time and public money while deciding that it was a deception she revealed the evil results to which abandonment of all faith can lead a woman with a clever brain and a fearless tongue she constantly denounced religion as the source of all injustice and bigotry and of the enslavement of women the editors of the suffrage history say as early as eighteen twenty eight the standard of the christian party in politics was openly unfurled francis wright had long been aware of its insidious efforts and its reliance upon women for its support ignorant, superstitious, devout, woman's general lack of education made her a fitting instrument for the work of thus undermining the Republic. Having deprived her of her just rights, the country was now to find in woman its most dangerous foe. Francis Wright lectured that winter in the large cities of the western and middle states, striving to rouse the nation to the new danger which threatened it the clergy at once became her most bitter opponents the cry of infidel was started on every side though her work was of vital importance to the country and undertaken from the purest philanthropy it was high time that a christian and a non-christian party in politics should unfurl a banner for to the dauntless courage of the land from which she came scotland she added the polished manner of the country from which came diarosmont the husband from whom she was soon parted to the zeal of the covenanter the moral blackness of the infidel and the political creed of the commune she united the doctrine of free love as she set these forth with blandishments of speech and manner the country did indeed find in this woman a most dangerous foe when fanny wright societies sprang up in new york and the west horror might well be felt by lovers of the republic lucretia mott was the next public preacher in this succession pure in personal character lofty in spirit winning in address she took for her motto truth for authority not authority for truth as authority for that truth she took elias hicks dr jacoby in common sense says the abolitionists were declared to have set aside the laws of god when they allowed women to speak in public and by a pastoral letter the congregational churches of massachusetts were directed to defend themselves against heresy by closing their doors to the innovators the methodists denounced the garrisonian societies as no government no sabbath no church no bible no marriage women's rights societies not the methodists alone but the congregationalists the presbyterians the episcopalians the baptists the unitarians the universalists and the quakers so denounced that faction of them in which culminated many of the doctrines of anne hutchinson anne lee Francis wright and lucretia mott. in an appeal to the women of new york in eighteen sixty signed by elizabeth cady stanton lydia mott ernestine rose martha c white and susan b anthony we read the religion of our day teaches that in the most sacred relations of the race the woman must ever be subject to the man that in the husband centres all power and learning that the difference in position between husband and wife is as vast as that between christ and the church and woman struggles to hold the noble impulses of her nature in abeyance to opinions uttered by a jewish teacher which alas the mass believed to be the will of God. In 1895, among the names of those responsible for the suffrage woman's Bible, we find three to whom the title Rev is prefixed. The opening commentary on the first verses of Genesis, where the creation of man is described, says, Instead of three male personages, as generally represented, a heavenly father, mother and son would seem more rational the first step in the elevation of woman to her true position as an equal factor in human progress is the cultivation of the religious sentiment in regard to her dignity and equality the recognition by the rising generation of an ideal heavenly mother to whom their prayers should be addressed as well as to a father here is anne lee's doctrine revived with a mocking suggestion that savors more of francis wright than of its poor half-crazed author the soul sufficiency of anne hutchinson the spiritual anarchy of lucretia mott the infidelity and the veiled coarseness of francis wright have all found fit setting in this commentary on the pentateuch i know that miss anthony repudiates the suffrage woman's bible in the name of the association of which she is president it certainly does not represent the faith or the culture or the doctrines of many who belong to that body but she cannot really repudiate it for herself or for them it was promised in the history of which she is co-editor it was foreshadowed in her circular quoted above as well as in innumerable speeches of hers in convention those christian and philanthropic bodies that have attached themselves to the suffrage movement have this book to account for and with whatever they may personally decide to think or say of it it is the consummate blossom of the spirit of the suffrage movement and the names it bears upon its title-page represent the varied classes that have worked for the political enfranchisement of woman by the world outside it will so be dealt with few movements have been started especially among women that did not professedly stand upon high moral and religious ground Fourierism was superhuman in its intention, in this country at least. Free-thinking hopes to deliver the soul from the bondage of superstition in all religion. Mormonism was founded as The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Communism at Oneida was professedly built upon the doctrine of human perfection in Christian love the disaster to the soul is in proportion to the amount of perversion of a living faith every movement must be judged not by what its advocates suppose themselves to believe but by that which time proves they do believe but to return to the suffrage charge american men may quiet their consciences with the delusion that no such injustice exists in this country as in eastern nations though, with the general improvement in our institutions, woman's condition must inevitably have improved also, yet the same principle that degrades her in Turkey insults her here. American men may quiet their consciences while striving to enlighten them further. The answer to Mohammedanism is Turkey, the answer to Christianity is America, ceremonial uncleanness is absolutely unlike religious and social orderliness in the distribution of duties how came there to be general improvement in our institutions there has been no improvement in turkey in china in india or in japan except such as is creeping back from the christendom of which these suffragists speak with a sneer Freedom and education have not been appreciably advanced by woman's becoming a component part of the government in any land. The lands where she has the most apparent governmental control are the ones that are least educated and least free among those of modern civilization. The Church is an ever-growing body, and its clergy hold widely differing beliefs— The Egyptian priesthood guarded the sacred mysteries and ruled the state. Through the utmost that natural religion can do for man, they had gleaned the secret of a supreme maker and ruler of the universe. Moses, who was learned in all their wisdom, led the first exiles across the sea to find freedom to worship God, and from that day to this the ministers of religion have stood as public guard over the mysteries of faith and in the beginnings of each civilization have ruled the state whenever they have forgotten the lesson that moses taught the lesson that paul more clearly taught that to god alone is any soul responsible they have proved stumbling-blocks to progress it is true that religious bigots as suffrage writers say, have defended capital punishment, intemperance, slavery, polygamy, and the subjection of woman. But capital punishment is defended by many besides bigots. Intemperance finds not only its strongest but its most effective foes in the Christian ministry and the Christian church. Slavery in our country rent in twain several great religious bodies, james g burney says that probably nine-tenths of the abolitionists were church members with polygamy came woman's subjection and woman suffrage into our free states and the bigots outside the church ministry and church must share the same condemnation with any who professing freedom have yet forgotten the injunction of the bible and the christ she would invade the pulpit Invasion seems a strange word to use in regard to woman's entrance upon one of the highest of human duties. A pulpitless teacher she is and always has been. Missionary women have taught multitudes of beings. The Salvation Lassie has no thought of invasion or of self exaltation when she leads the service of a thousand souls and i am not willing to believe that a single woman who has entered the regular ministry has any more it is the spirit of suffrage that looks upon woman's advance as an attack but times have changed say suffrage leaders mrs cornelia k hood in her report of the king's county suffrage work for eighteen ninety five says a circular letter was addressed to all the clergymen known to be friends asking them that a sermon might be preached by them in favor of woman suffrage this request met with a liberal response and many able addresses were made on the sunday morning set for that purpose in her report of the suffrage campaign in new york city in the winter of eighteen ninety five to ninety six Dr. Jacoby says, speaking of the parlor meetings, several prominent clergymen joined us, Mr. Rainsford, the Reverend Arthur Brooks, Mr. Percy Grant, Mr. Eaton, Mr. Leighton Williams. In referring to the last regular meeting of the County Suffrage Association held that winter in Cooper Union, she says, the meeting was addressed by Samuel Gompers, president of the Federation of Labor, by dr peters an episcopal clergyman by father Ducey, the catholic priest dr saunders a baptist minister and henry george the advocate of single tax in her address before the constitutional convention she said the church which fifty years ago was a unit in denouncing the public work of woman even for the slave is now divided in its councils the church never was a unit in denouncing the public work of woman and much of her noblest public work has been done under its auspices the behavior of suffrage women in slavery times caused scandal to church and state the right of private judgment claimed always by protestant christianity has divided the clergy on all questions and a clergyman a priest and a minister were as free to believe and to speak what they believed on suffrage as were samuel gompers who lately offended the labor organization by inviting two anarchists to address it and henry george whose single tax theories have lately turned law and order upside down in delaware interpret the bible anew from her own standpoint The volume in which a beginning has been made in this work is a thick pamphlet bearing a motto from cousin on one cover, and the picture of a piano as an advertisement on the other. It is with a profound sense of sadness and disgust that any woman who honors God and loves her own sex turns its pages. Behold the first dilemma in which the commentators find themselves involved— mrs stanton opens the comments on the creation as follows in the great work of the creation the crowning glory was realized when man and woman were evolved on the sixth day the masculine and feminine forces in the image of god that must have existed eternally in all forms of matter and mind how then is it possible to make woman an afterthought all those theories based on the assumption that man was prior in the creation have no foundation in scripture as to woman's subjection on which both the canon and civil law delight to dwell it is important to note that equal dominion is given to woman over every living thing but not a word is said giving man dominion over woman no lesson of woman's subjection can be fairly drawn from the first chapter of the Old Testament. In commenting on the second account of the creation, Ellen Battelle Dietrich says, It is now generally conceded that someone, nobody pretends to know who, at some time, nobody pretends to know exactly when, copied two creation myths on the same leather roll, one immediately following the other. Modern theologians have, for convenience sake, entitled these two fables, respectively, the Elohistic and the Yahoistic stories. They differ not only in the point I have mentioned above, but in the order of the creative acts, in regard to the mutual attitude of man and woman, and in regard to human freedom from prohibitions imposed by deity. Now, it is manifest that both of these stories cannot be true. Intelligent women who feel bound to give the preference to either may decide, according to their own judgment, which is more worthy of an intelligent woman's acceptance. My own opinion is that the second story was manipulated by some wily Jew in an endeavor to give heavenly authority for requiring a woman to obey the man she married lily devereux blake takes still another horn of the dilemma she says in the detailed description of creation we find a gradually ascending series creeping things great sea monsters every bird of wing cattle and living things of the earth the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens then man and last and crowning glory of the whole woman it cannot be maintained that woman was inferior to man even if as asserted in chapter two she was created after him without at once admitting that man is inferior to the creeping things because created after them these commentators on the whole agree that the first account of creation does not teach woman's subjection to man That, although some wily Jew inserted the second account in an endeavor to give heavenly authority for requiring a woman to obey the man she married, he has been outwitted after all, for the ascending series of creation really teaches the same lesson as the first account, and from it woman's inferiority cannot be maintained, and yet it would seem that she must be an afterthought if she is to be superior mrs stanton in summing up the consensus of opinion on a matter which is not of the slightest importance to any of them except that they feel an interest for the cause of suffrage in endeavouring to release woman from the long bondage of superstition says the first account dignifies woman as an important factor in the creation equal in power and glory with man the second makes her a mere afterthought the world in good running order without her, the only reason for her advent being the solitude of man. There is something sublime in bringing order out of chaos, light out of darkness, giving each planet its place in the solar system, oceans and lands their limits, wholly inconsistent with a petty surgical operation to find material for the mother of the race." it is in this allegory that all the enemies of woman rest their battering-rams to prove her inferiority accepting the view that man was prior in the creation some scriptural writers say that as the woman was of the man therefore her position should be one of subjection grant it then as the historical fact is reversed in our day and the man is now of the woman shall his place be one of subjection the equal position declared in the first account must prove more satisfactory to both sexes created alike in the image of god the heavenly mother and father thus the old testament in the beginning proclaims the simultaneous creation of man and woman the eternity and equality of sex and the new testament echoes back through the centuries the individual sovereignty of woman growing out of this natural fact paul in speaking of equality as the very soul and essence of christianity said there is neither jew nor greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for ye all are one in christ jesus With this recognition of the feminine element in the Godhead in the Old Testament, and this declaration of the equality of the sexes in the New, we may well wonder at the contemptible status woman occupies in the Christian Church today. End of section 16. Recording by Christine Lehman, Reseda, California.